and three, and two, and one. Welcome to The Peaceful Truth, the podcast where we talk about everything from women empowerment, feminism, and everything in between. You were joined by your two co-hosts, which are Megan Hohertz and Kenzie Meekback. I like doing it backwards. Chelsea thought it was funny when we did it backwards. We did it backwards again. Um, okay, so today is a different one. Um, a first time we're actually here for the Peaceful Truth. We did a Skype interview today. And we did it earlier today, and we're just recording a quick intro about our guest. So we thought it's important for young women to empower themselves by um, knowing about their financial life and empowering themselves about it. And can you kind of describe Whitney and her background a little bit? Yeah, so Whitney, she has her degree in accounting. It's similar to myself. We just chose very different paths. (laughs) But unlike me, she loves talking about finances, empowering people to make sure that they're making financially conscious decisions. Um, She has a podcast, The Money Nerd, So um, we had her on and asked her a couple of questions about her life and her experience and um, how she helps people um, with their financial decisions. And she particularly focuses on millennials' finances. So it's right up our alley and right up our viewers' alley. So without further ado, let's roll to the Whitney interview. Welcome, Whitney, to The Peaceful Truth. How are you doing today? Hey guys, I'm doing so good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Can you first introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about why you're here today and when tell us about yourself a little bit. Sure, thank you. So my name is Whitney Hansen. I'm a millennial money coach. So what that means is I get to work with people one-on-one to help them get a better financial life. So budgeting, paying off debt, planning for retirement, and taking a couple really cool trips in between. So that tends to be what I do uh, with people. I am the host of the Money Nerds podcast, so I get to interview really cool people with really awesome money stories, so I do that weekly as well. Um, So yeah, I'm really passionate about personal finance. It's something I've been doing for about seven years now, off and on. So it's been something that I constantly think about and am actively working towards bettering everybody's financial life. Awesome. Nice. Um, Can you tell us about your consulting job as well as your podcast, Money Nerd, a little bit more about it? Yeah, yeah. So what I do as well, so when I started the business, what I initially uh, did is I launched it in a program through Boise State University. And I'll get to like the the coaching piece because I think it's interesting to see how businesses evolve. But it initially started as high school student workshops. (laughs) That's what I was doing, trying to be more preventative. And what I realized is I was a lot more passionate about working with people who, A, actually had income and, you know, had a little bit of motivation to get rid of student debt or other debts as well. So I pivoted into the coaching business and then the coaching business has just been a ton of fun. So yeah, the podcast I've been doing for about a year and the coaching piece has been for about uh, three years officially. Awesome. Very cool. Um, So how did you get interested in this subject of finance and what sparked your interest? So very much a personal story. So I watched my mom stay in a really abusive relationship for way too many years, over 20 years. And the reason why she was stuck in that relationship is solely because of finances. She just did not have the money to leave the situation. And so I was 16 when I kind of realized that money mattered and that when you don't have money, sometimes you are stuck in situations that 
that are sucky, that are just not good for you because you don't have the money to leave. So that's what initially sparked me onto this journey of learning about money. But what kicked off the business in my own personal life was when I graduated from college in 2010 with my bachelor's in accounting. And you would think they teach you budgeting and that kind of stuff in, in accounting school, but they really don't. You too? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kindred spirits. <laughs> so that's where, yeah, and I had $30,000 in debt. And for me, I was like, whoo, that's a ton of money. Like, what am I going to do? That's like more than half of my salary. And so I put together a plan and I paid off the entire 30000 in 10 months by working as a nail tech, which is the job to get me through undergrad, and then as a staff accountant by day. So the plan was a, a, yeah, it was a lot of hustle, a lot of sacrifice, but that's what sparked the business is because I started helping people do something similar. That's awesome. And it's probably very relieving after those 10 months left fast. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, I know that Kenzie and I mentioned that um, this isn't our subject matter. Ex we're not subject matter experts at all. And actually, my um, significant other, his name is Dez, he is obsessed with it and he loves it and he listens to podcasts and he reads blogs and all kinds of stuff. But what I'm noticing is that the blogs he reads, the podcasts he listens to are um, produced by men. And so I was wondering, as a woman, if you feel like you're in the minority in your field. <laughs> it's a great question. Um, yes, in a lot of ways I do. I think it's really interesting. There's a kind of a joke, but it's actually very serious. In the financial world, most of the advice is coming from people that are pale, stale, and male. And it's so true. It's like when you look at the demographics, right? I know. When you look at the demographics, that's who is giving us advice. And for a young lady in her 20s, you just don't connect quite as well to that, that fatherly figure saying, hey, this is why you should be thinking about retirement. When you're just like, how do I buy food for groceries? You know, it's like, it's just different struggles for sure. So yeah, definitely in the minority. I view that as a great competitive advantage though. So I think if you can be in that minority, then you will actually rise to the top a lot faster because your voice inherently stands out because it's different. So yeah, it's a minority thing, but I think it's a really great way to go. Awesome. And being a strong lady. So how our, our podcast is based on empowerment. Um, and my sister has always encouraged me to be, um, have a budget to build my, um, savings, um, and that sort of thing and invest. So how does being money conscious empower you as a woman? Like, how does this empower you? You mentioned your mom's story, but could you kind of elaborate on that as well? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I think it's one of those things where a lot of money conversations and just the thought of thinking about money just gives people anxiety and so much stress. That's how that used to be me too. The minute I started to, you guys do. Yeah. Yeah. It's so stressful and it doesn't really need to be. But what I found is when most people feel very stressed out or very anxious around money, it's because they have a negative emotion attached to it. But a lot of it's just because there's uncertainty. You just don't really quite know what's going on with your financial life. So I think the best place to start with budgeting and getting very, very clear on why this stuff is important is to actually just get a very clear list of what do you owe on your debts? How much is your interest rates? What's your minimum payment? How much money do you make every month? Start to get very clear on those details. And then it starts to help you feel a little bit more confident with money too. But I think it's that uncertainty of that's what causes so many issues for us. 
makes sense. Um, so do you feel like the school system fails people because typically we don't learn about the basics of budgeting in school? So do you feel like that's a failure on our school system's part? It's kind of a sad failure on our entire society's part. We've built up money into this taboo thing that's so awkward to talk about, makes us feel very uncomfortable. We do everything we can to avoid talking about money. But it's something that we all deal with, like eight to ten money decisions every single day we're making. And these are small and sometimes big, but it's such a normal thing. But for some reason, our school system, our parents, our families, everybody is just not wanting to talk about this. And I do think that it becomes a question of like, is it the school's job to teach us this or is it the family's job? And ultimately, I kind of put it on the schools. I really do. I know they're so strapped down to teach to certain curriculum and certain standards, but the family situation at home is not always great for people. Their parents are struggling too. So anything we can do to start to embed personal finance into curriculum and make it a norm is going to be so much better. And when I say it should be taught, I'm not saying like it's required to be taught, but it should be an option for students. And in a lot of schools, it's not even an option at all. And I think that's a big disservice on our entire society that we need to step up and take responsibility for this and say, yes, this matters. And we're going to give students the option to take this stuff. And then if the student chooses not to, that's on them. But at least they have the choice. Totally. Makes sense. Um so what are, now we're kind of going to get into some basic tips for ladies. Um, so what are the tools and basics for setting up a budget for the first time? Do you have any tips for that? I have so many tips for that. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. Good. So um, budgeting, I don't know about you guys, but do you, do you talk about um, budgeting much with any of your listeners? No, you are our first finance-based mm-hmm. podcast. We typically talk about social issues, so we wanted to empower our ladies in a new way. Love it. This is perfect. So if you've never discussed budgeting before, the best place to start, I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, is just getting clear on what your numbers actually are. So you've got to know your facts. And that piece alone takes probably a couple of hours for most people to jot down their credit score, what's on their credit report, to look through their bank statement, to understand what their monthly subscriptions are. A lot of times we even forget we signed up for Birchbox years ago and forgot to cancel it. (laughs) That was me. Um, So it's, it's just getting very, very clear on what our monthly expenses are. So the best way to start is to as I mentioned, get clear. So I think that the best way to start is through what I call the bank statement exercise. And we're going to get like super nerdy for a second. So bear with, but what you do is you print off the past 30 days of your bank statement. So print off a physical copy and then have that sitting in front of you and then look through your transactions and get a basic idea of where is your money actually going aside from your essentials. So Put aside your house uh, payment, maybe a rent payment, utilities, cell phone, that kind of stuff. Put that stuff aside and look at the stuff that you actually have a lot of control over, which is your variable expenses. So for most people, it's eating out, it's coffee, it's Amazon purchases, and it's some type of impulse buys. Like it's always almost something like that. So write those at the top of the statement and then go through and assign a color, a highlighter color to each of those. So eating out could be yellow and go line by line through your statement and highlight all of the eating out transactions, add it all up, and then just drop that number down at the top of your statement. 
So why this is so important is what we usually do is we usually go for apps that just group it all together for us. So mint.com tells me exactly how much I spend on groceries. Why do I need to do this? When you can actually go line by line and see the numbers, your brain, it triggers something. You start to connect to that money a little bit better and you start to understand, oh, I did this versus, oh, here's just my roll up. It's so impersonal. But this way it forces you to take ownership of I spent this much money. And so once you do that, it's not necessarily right or wrong. You can make a decision to change that amount or leave it the same. But then you know exactly what should you be planning for in your budget. So when you set a budget and you say, I'm going to spend $100 on eating out, but you actually go through that exercise and realize you spend $300, $100 is probably already going to set you up for failure. So it helps you to start to plan and forecast a little bit better. Um, when you do do your budget. So that's the first thing I like to do with people. And then secondly, it's just keep it simple, write down your income, list out all of your expenses, and then just subtract the two. Like that's really all you have to do. That's what a budget is. And then just make sure you set weekly money dates with yourself so that you're checking in on your financial life, you're staying on track. And it's just your time where you can buy the fancy latte and update your budget. And that's, that's totally okay. Um, but try to make it kind of fun and not so scary to check in with your financial life. It's not always a negative thing. Sounds good. So um, as we mentioned, uh, we are very much intimidated by this subject <laughs> and we get anxious. So how and why <laughs> should we get over this feeling? Ooh, that's a great question. The reason we should get over this feeling is because your money's not going anywhere. It's not going to go away. And the more you put your head in the sand, it might temporarily feel better, but long-term it's going to bite you. And so it's super important that you get very clear and you understand where this is coming from. Um, so, and I think it's, once you start doing a budget and you start managing your money, you realize it's really not that difficult. It's actually pretty easy once you start to build up some of those habits. Um, but it's something that you can't ignore. And so many people think, you know, I'll worry about this later. Or I've heard from clients too before, and it's kind of upsetting of, you know, I will wait until I get married and then that combined income is gonna help my financial life. And I think that's a terrible strategy to count on for lots of reasons, but that's just not something that works for everybody. So I, I think it's, you are the only, only savior in your life and it's up to you to take control of that situation. And then if you choose to combine income with a significant other or your partner later, cool, that's awesome. But that shouldn't be the saving grace. It's you are the one that can save this situation. Yes. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> okay. Um, so do you have tips to get started in investing in the stock market or just investing in general? Do you have some tips for beginners? I do. I've got lots of tips for beginners in the stock investing market. So it depends on what your goal is. If you're investing for a retirement, that's a, maybe a slightly different conversation. If you're investing to just let your money grow, maybe get a down payment on a house, take a cool trip, something like that. Um, the strategies are very, very similar, but the approaches are kind of different. So let's focus maybe on the retirement piece because I think that's what people think investing is mostly. So when it comes to investing for retirement, there's a couple different options that you have, and it's important to know that each of these is very different for you, your life. So the first one is a Roth IRA. So a Roth IRA is essentially just a tax shelter. 
So think of a big, huge umbrella. And underneath that umbrella, you have your mutual funds, your index funds, your individual stocks, your bonds, all the terminology that scares people I know. But all of this stuff is underneath your umbrella. And what that does is that allows you to, it shelters your, your investments from taxes, essentially. So that's the cool piece. And that is super beneficial for younger people as well, because then your money can grow tax-free, which is incredible. I mean, otherwise you've got to pay capital gains tax, uh, which is a little bit over 15%. So it, it starts to eat into your, your money really quickly. So that's all an IRA is. So when people say I'm investing in an, uh, in an IRA, it's not quite right. You're, that's the tool to help shelter your money, but you're investing in actual asset classes. So that's your index funds, your stocks. And so all of this stuff is super confusing, I know. So the best place to get started is just watch a couple small YouTube videos get a basic feel of what's the lingo, what am I looking at here? And then ultimately, I'm a big fan of robo-advisors. So these are like Betterments or uh, Wealthfront.com is another one. I think they're really a good way to go because it helps you get over that fear of investing. So you can still invest into your IRAs. You can choose to invest outside of those, but that's a good way to get familiar with it. And it doesn't take a lot of money. Like $150 a month is really all you need to kind of test out the different robo-advisors, get familiar with it. And then once you're comfortable, then if you choose to invest on your own, you can. But this is a really low-cost way to get started for most people. Awesome. Really cool. Um, do you have any tips for kicking off long-term savings accounts? So right now, I mean, I'll just put myself out there. I have a checking account and a savings account, and that's, that's all I got. <laughs> so any tips? <laughs> yeah, so um, first and foremost with your long-term savings accounts, it's important to have an emergency fund or a rainy day fund to kind of cover all of life's crappiness that can always be thrown at us. <laughs> so start with a savings there, and then that's a separate savings account from your checking account as well. That's designated only for emergencies. Um, so once you have that piece done, then you can start to focus on the really cool stuff. Like I want to take a vacation to Machu Picchu or I want to go to Australia for a month and not have to think about anything. So it's like whenever you get to that point or a new car is a big one too, then you can start to think about the long-term investing. And so that's where you can choose if it's longer term, like over five years, then investing through like the stock market, through like the robo-advisors, that would probably be appropriate. If it's shorter term, then just save it into a savings account. And there are a ton of really great apps that will help you with this. One is Capital. Have you guys used Capital before? No. Oh my gosh, it is so much fun. So they have <laughs> the most ridiculous ways to help you save. Um, so I just set up an account with Capital and I, I am saving to go to Machu Picchu. That's super important to me. I think it'd be like the coolest thing ever. So how it works is you set up a rule. And the rule for me is every time I make a purchase, it'll round up to the nearest dollar and then put that money into my Machu Picchu fund. And so you can really gamify it. The part that gets super cool is one of my friends just set up his rule where every time Donald Trump tweets, it'll save a dollar into his savings account. <laughs> so he's like punishing himself. <laughs> it's so, when he told me that, I was dying. That's um, funny. But there's so many different ways that you can save. Like you can have it so every time you 
pin a pin on Pinterest, it'll save a dollar in your savings account every time you like a photo on Instagram. So it makes it kind of fun and you can gamify it, but it helps you save a lot more money and it's really small amounts. So you don't quite notice it being gone. So I think that's a really fun, engaging way to get thinking about your uh, savings goals. That's really cool. Um, do you feel like you should have all of your debt paid off before saving? It really depends on the situation. So a lot of people think um, you should pay off all of your debt first and then start to worry about retirement or savings or buying a house. I mean, things that are really important to some people. So my kind of rule of thumb on that is if it's going to take you longer than two years to pay off debt, then you definitely want to start incorporating some of your savings goals into the, into the plan. If it's less than two years, that's enough time where we can kind of buckle down and focus and get our stuff together and make really good progress on our financial lives. So that's kind of the, the two-year thing is about what I use to differentiate. Um, and then ultimately, it's, if it's going to take you 10 to 20 years to pay off debt. And for a lot of people, that's the case. I don't think it's a good idea to push pause on all of your retirement, your savings goals, your life while you're paying off debt, because it's going to take you such a long time that you miss out on some really good benefits of like compounding interest where your money essentially just grows. The interest earns interest. Um, so I think it's really important that you, you know, how long is it going to take you to pay off debt first before you make that decision? So if it's shorter than two years, pay off debt, put say, you know, retirement on pause, savings on pause, longer than two years, you might want to start incorporating that into your plan. Perfect. Any tips on how to tackle big, large, outstanding debt? Yes. Um, this is the story of almost everybody in the world right now. And it's so unfortunate, but a lot of people have way too much student loans. That tends to be like the common one. I still see a lot of credit card debt, but it's, it really is student loans. It's, it's pretty bad. And so if you're looking at like $50,000 in debt, maybe it's credit card, maybe it's student loans, maybe it's a car loan as well. I think one of the best ways to go is to start to chunk your debt. And what I mean by this is make a list of all of your debts from smallest balance to largest balance. Try to pay off those little ones first to get kind of those quick wins. And then when you get down to the point where you're actually focusing on the bigger debts, that's where the chunking piece comes in. So instead of looking at, I, have, I owe $50,000, that's really daunting and very overwhelming for most people. Mm -hmm. But if you were to group it into like $2,000 at a time, you know, I'm going to focus on two grand first. That's my, that's my goal. Then you start to make progress and it's no longer that 50,000, but it seems a lot more tangible and bite-sized for us. Um, so that's kind of one of the ways if it's a huge amount of debt, definitely chunk it, but try to pay off those small debts first to get those quick wins and get you super stoked about your plans so you stay focused. Perfect. So we selected one, uh, one question from one of our viewers, um, and it has to do with the new tax laws. Um, it says due to the new tax laws with a lower individual tax rate, how will that impact people's 401k decisions? Ooh, that's a great question. So I don't, I didn't catch with the tax plan if they planned on revamping the 401k piece. So currently it's $17,000 a year is what you can contribute. I don't know if that's changing much. Um, so that's the only piece I'm not quite sure about, but how it impacts, I think the average person is if your taxes are lower, then that means you're going to have more income in your pocket. 
hopefully you're doing what's wise and you're reinvesting that money. So you're not thinking it's a payday because it's not. I mean, it's still your money. So then you can put it back into your 401ks or your IRAs and try to, to cap those out. Um, so yeah, the, the tax bill is it's interesting because it actually gives a lot of people a lot more money, which we all know comes at an expensive course. Um, so it's it's kind of an interesting conversation to have for sure. But you will have more money, so just make sure you're reinvesting it wisely and you're using that to your advantage. Awesome. Well, all good feedback. Now, how can people find you and how can people, if they want to use your coaching services or if they want to listen to your podcast for more details and more tips like these, where can we find you? Yeah, the best place is WhitneyHanson.com. So I hang out there quite a bit. And on Instagram, it's Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. Somebody took my name. I don't know who it was. So it. just Whitney Hanson co with underscores in between. <laughs> I know. Um, I hang out there all the time. I'm addicted to my phone. So I'm constantly playing on social media and just engaging and interacting with people. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us and go subscribe everyone to Whitney. Give her some love for us. And yeah, well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thanks ladies. I appreciate it too. It was so much fun. Okay. Have a good one. Thank you. You as well. Bye. Bye. We want to thank Whitney so much for coming on this episode of The Peaceful Truth. We hope you guys enjoyed her tips and can implement them in your everyday life. Kenzie, what's your positive thing for the week? My positive thing for this week is I've actually been doing yoga online since your tips of like how to save money and be a beginner yoga um, yogi. So I have been doing that this week and it's made me feel very calm and at peace. Perfect. My positive thing is that my mom is coming soon. I am so excited that she's going to be there for you. Yep. So she's going to come and help me out while I have gum surgery. Ouch. 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 But my mom is going to be here. So that's the positivity. Positivity (laughs) for sure. Coop gets his grandma here. Here is a good quote to send you out with some positive messages. It's from Christopher Rice. Every day is a bank account, and time is our currency. No one is rich. No one is poor. We've got 24 hours each. Well, make the most out of those 24, you guys. And that's how you become rich. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Okay. Love you guys. Thanks for listening.